0: welcome to the bleeding blue and yellow podcast a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring peter and david go
1: hey everyone welcome to another episode of the bleeding blue and yellow podcast i'm your host peter go here with our co-host david go uh, covering a uh, interesting week for the brewers here Uh, We had a late podcast episode come up last week, so today we'll be covering uh, the Brewers games on Tuesday, Thursday, excuse me, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, So anything you want to add, David, before we jump into Tuesday's game against the Tigers?
0: No, I I think I'm ready to go. All right,
1: sounds good. So Brewers uh, on Tuesday, September 1st, playing the Tigers, uh, falling in a uh, big blowout here. The final score being 12-1. Detroit pouring it on the Brewers um, to reach 500. Not a lot of uh, good takeaways for the Brewers. Um, just a disappointing game as a whole. Lynn Bloom uh, going six innings, excuse me, five innings and giving up four earned runs. Uh, bullpen not exactly doing well either. Orlando Arcea making a, uh, a ninth inning appearance. Uh, but anything really here to talk about in this game?
0: Yeah, well, the biggest notable... Uh, takeaway in this game was just the debuts of justin topa and phil bigford so you know i actually personally didn't like the fact that council had them go back to back i thought it applied a little bit of unnecessary pressure on the two of them trying to keep them in the game uh, and going back to back like that they both didn't have good outings especially bigford but topa was he was all right he had one nasty back foot slider that uh, caused the batter to fall over on the the swing and But Topa looked very good. I'd say Bickford looked okay. His velo wasn't great, and I kind of knew that going in, but it's kind of surprising to see him get the call as a reliever sitting like 89-91. to He hit a few batters, overall looked a little bit shaky. So overall, I'd say the two main takeaways, Justin Topa and Phil Bickford's Major League debuts, and really not much else that was positive outside of the fact that those two guys on very different career trajectories yet both very um, uncertain career trajectories, made it to the major leagues and made their debuts on the same day. They were actually roommates together in the minor leagues for a, a little bit of a to- amount of time.
1: Interesting. Yeah, Topa's slider circulating a little bit on, on social media. Like you said, that back foot slider. Uh, I don't know if the ball, did the, the batter foul it or did it hit the batter when he swung at it?
0: It uh, it hit the batter when he swung at yeah, that's
1: it. That's what I thought, it, yeah definitely made him look silly uh the highlight for Topas uh, appearance but like you said Topa and Bickford Bickford getting uh an appearance is, uh, and Phil Bickford it, it, do i recall correctly that he was part of the Will Smith trade
0: Yeah so that was it was uh Will Smith i think that was back in 2016 in exchange for Bickford and Andrew Suzak That's right Bickford actually then he was uh was like making his way through the minor leagues, got suspended for marijuana use, which uh, I don't believe you can be suspended for that anymore in the minor leagues. And then he broke his hand on a comebacker. Then he was recovering, and then he just lost Velo. He wasn't able to find it, and he really hasn't found it back since, which is kind of surprising then that he was still able to work his way up. But he's been really solid since moving to the bullpen. That was uh, during last season, and so... Uh, Nice to see Bickford making it to the major leagues. Topa with a very differing path. Topa was a a late round pick back in 2012, I think it was. And then he, after a few years in the minor leagues, actually went and played independent ball in the Canada American Association, uh, the Rockland Boulders, a, a team in upstate New York. He had a solid year there and parlayed into a minor league deal last year. Uh, I forget which organization it was, and he was looking for somewhere after they let his contract run out and he became a free agent. He actually was discovered by Pitching Ninja, and Pitching Ninja tweeted out the uh, the video. The Brewers went in contact with him, and then they signed him, and here we are.
1: Yeah, cool baseball story. Uh, we've highlighted a couple of those, but just a cool story from two— uh from Justin Topa making the major leagues for the Brewers. And like we said, he and Bickford making their appearance in Tuesday's loss, uh, 12-1, the Tigers taking that one in a blowout. Game two, we saw a matchup of uh, Hauser versus Turnbull. Uh, Brewers able to pull that one, 8-5. Neither starting pitcher looking uh, very good, both of them giving up five earned runs, but the difference being the Brewers' bullpen able to shut the Tigers out uh, between Yardley, Williams, and Hayter. Williams is really having an exceptional year. Um, and Hayter continuing his uh, streak without giving up a
0: hit. Yeah, Hayter actually has made more appearances to start the year without giving up a hit than anyone in the history of baseball. So he accomplished that with his 12th hitless appearance. So that's quite the accomplishment, even with the incredibly high walk rate. His walk rate is up at about eight walks per nine innings, which is unsustainably high. But he has looked good primarily outside of that one outing against Pittsburgh. Williams has looked better than Hater. I thought that Williams got snubbed out of the reliever of the year. Kenley Jansen ended up winning, excuse me, reliever of the month. Kenley Jansen ended up winning that and he had like eight saves. So that was part of it. But his ERA was definitely worse than, than Williams. He allowed, I think, two earned runs over like 11 and two thirds innings compared to Williams, who's allowed one earned run in about 15 innings. Williams has looked great. His changeup spin rate actually is at about 2,800 RPMs which is a 1,000 RPMs more than the average Major League changeup. Brent Suter said that he was trying to figure out a way to throw a changeup similar to that, and he just can't do it. He said that his changeup grip is so unique that pretty much no one else can throw it. And so Williams and Hayter were really providing that uh, stability at the back end of that game and have throughout really the last couple of weeks, and especially with Phelps gone now, It was nice to see Yardley two hitless innings as well as Williams and Hayter shutting the door there to end the game.
1: Yeah, Williams has been one of the top relievers in baseball so far in this shortened season. And it just serves as a reminder for Brewers fans, just the the patience with baseball and player development. Uh, Williams being drafted many years ago, feels like he's been in the minors forever. Uh, Many Brewers fans, including myself, probably wrote him off. Uh, maybe a year-plus ago, uh, just because haven't seen the results that often we uh, expect, whether we really should be expecting, but it ju- just reminds us of the patience uh, with baseball player development.
0: Mm-hmm. And one also, one one thing to note in that game, that was Justin Smokes' last game as a Brewer. He went 0-3 for 3 with two walks before he was designated for assignment the following day, and that brought Daniel Vogelbach to Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, big news this week, Uh, really biggest news of the week. Uh, Yeah, Justin Smoke gone. Uh, Maybe a lot of Brewer fans happy with that. Not really sure. Uh, A lot of them were calling for Smoke uh, to either get less playing time or to be cut. And Brewers making the decision, uh, definitely surprising for me. Uh, I know you were a a big Smoke fan from the beginning. You can listen to our old podcast. David was uh, rooting for Smoke for a big year this year. Not what we saw. Uh, do you agree with the move that uh stearns and the brewers made dropping smoke
0: i certainly understand it um i don't know if i would have necessarily made the same move myself but it also doesn't really make sense to keep smoke and vogelbach even though vogelbach will most likely be DHing more than playing first base jed jerko likely will be getting most of the playing time at first with maybe some ryan braun mixed in there vogelbach's a left-handed hitter though profiles pretty similar to smoke vogelbach low contacts guy but he does walk a lot he actually had the fifth best walk rate in all of major league baseball last year he was an all-star last year with the mariners he fell off a little bit in the second half he really stopped hitting the ball nearly as hard in the second half that was the big thing and i mean i was trying to figure out why and i uh, to be honest i really couldn't figure out why pitchers were attacking him in similar ways Um, He was getting the ball in similar locations, but he wasn't able to capitalize on it and do damage. But the strikeout rate was up a little bit. The walk rate was down a little bit, but it wasn't to the point where it was concerning. And so I think that Vogelbach will be able to turn it around. He's gotten off to a slow start, but he also has a 075 BABIP entering entering Friday's game before he he had started with the Brewers. And so that's something that, that'll change. He had showed a good approach in uh, the couple at-bats that he had. He went two for three. So he actually had two hits and three at-bats. He was five for 57 before coming over to the Brewers this year. And so hopefully he can turn it around. Maybe that short porch will help him as a left-handed hitter as well.
1: Yeah, really switching from uh, kind of another uh, potential big bat uh, to another power-hitting first base and DH guy in, in Vogelbach. And both slumping this year uh, under expectations, maybe maybe the change of scenery or, or just switching things up, really whatever the Brewers can do to try to get some sort of offensive plug uh, may be worth a shot.
0: Yeah, I think I think also, nice to have a fat guy back in, at Miller Park. <laughs> We've been missing out on fat guys, especially Prince Fielder being probably the most iconic fat guy in Brewers history. I, I,
1: Todd Coffey would be up there, though
0: he would but you know this a little bit different pitcher to position player like like to me fat guys (laughs) usually constitutes position players because like yeah well watching a fat pitcher can be fun sometimes it's not nearly as fun as watching a fat guy just try to sprint to second base we like watching prince fielder that like try to hit like a double or a triple on a close play those were always really fun or even like uh, vogelbach is actually pushing on fielder with his build i think he's six feet 275 okay Fielder was in his prime, like with the Brewers in usually in like 07, 08. Yeah, he was like 5'10, 270, 275. So, yeah, whatever they... Yeah, yeah right, reportedly. right. Reportedly. But yeah. yeah. Well, so, we, did see, so, we did see Coffee so
1: take uh, plenty of sprints too, though. True. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah that
0: is true. So, yeah. So If you know, you know. Uh, it is nice to have a fat guy back, though. And I think really, maybe even just shaking things up will provide some offense. Yeah. I, I, I think that... The Brewers' offense really, I mean, it's no secret that they've been struggling. And of course, I'm not here to say, oh, the Brewers' offense is struggling, as if the people who are listening to this podcast don't know that already. If you've been paying any attention to the Brewers, you would know they've been struggling. Entering the Tiger series, their team batting average was 213, which is atrocious. Right. And things have been turning around a little bit. I mean, they scored one run against Detroit, scored eight, and then seven. And they've won five of their last seven games, and in those games they've averaged I think about a s- seven runs per game. They a- scored only one run in each of the two games that they lost in that span. But I mean, if you look at the lineup, Gamble's starting to get going a little bit. Hira looks like he's starting to get going a little bit. Um, he had a, a, a very nice um, home run. 3-0 pitch against James Karinchek, Fastball down and in. Hira turned on it. Line drive home run. That was very nice. Jelic... He's not, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say he's getting going, but you know that he's going to turn it around at some point. He's a professional hitter, and he's he's a, a guy who will get going at some point. And even though his batting average is sub 200, which is terrible, to be honest, his OPS is over 800. And so, I mean, yeah, you definitely like the batting average to be higher, and it will become higher as the season goes on, barring something unforeseen happening. He is still at least hitting for some power and taking his walks. And so I think Hira and Jelic are really the two guys you need to be getting going. But also having Urias, having Gamel, some of those guys that you have as options at the top of the lineup are big as well. And some guys like Jace Peterson has stepped up a little bit in the short amount of time. He's been here, Nottingham a little bit, and and, uh, Mark Matthias. So those are all guys that can provide maybe a little bit of sparks for the offense that's been struggling so much.
1: Yeah, even in the Brewers' 8-5 win, you mentioned... uh... Peterson, he hit a home run, uh, two-run shot. Uh, And then Hira as well Uh, seems to be uh, maybe heating up, at least putting some better swings on the ball and having some production on the power side of things. And, yeah, we got to be patient with Jelic uh, because he's too good of a hitter not to hit at some point in, in the season. Even though it's a shortened season, I just don't see any way where the Brewers go a full season without Jelic turning at least his batting average around. Uh, but, yeah, 213 batting average, like you mentioned. Was that, you said, going into the Tiger series, was that 213?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, I, I mean, to, to be where the Brewers are at record-wise uh, with that poor of an offense speaks to uh, the bullpen as well as just the team being able to win some close games and some come-from-behind wins as well.
0: Yeah. As of the time of this recording, the Brewers have a 56% chance of making the postseason according to Fangraphs. And the Brewers... now expanded playoffs, 16 teams make it and 14 teams don't. Right. So that is something to definitely keep in right. mind. But the Brewers are in second place, so if the season ended today, they would make the postseason and there's really a, a logjam there. So if you look at the NL playoff picture, the Dodgers, they've locked up a spot, 30 and 10. The Cubs and the Braves both are up uh, at least a few games in their division. They're 8 games above 500. They'll make the playoffs even if they don't win the division. So we got three spots there. San Diego definitely are going to be going to the postseason as well. Philadelphia looks like they are. They've been playing pretty good baseball as of late. Excuse me, the Phillies have won nine of their last 10. If you go on a streak like that, as long as you play just at least okay, you're going to make the playoffs in this scenario. But beyond that, so those take that takes care of the top seed in each division, and then the second place team from the NL East and the NL West. And then we're left with The second place team from the NL Central and the two wild cards, the teams that are really in that race would be the Brewers, Cardinals, Marlins, Rockies, Giants, and then maybe on the fringes would be the Reds and Mets, especially since those are teams that could turn it around. They have the talent to do so. And so the Brewers realistically could get either that second seed in the NL Central or they could get one of the wild card spots. Miami is fading right now. They're not really a playoff team but they've been overperforming earlier in the year. And they also have played a few less games than most of the teams. And the Rockies are fading as well, playing a little bit better than they were last week, two weeks ago. The Giants, I think that they're going to start fading. They've been playing better ball, but I, so that's why really I see to me, the among those teams. So you've got three spots that the Brewers could potentially take. And the Brewers are one of those teams, one of the best teams that really are in that race,
1: right? You can rule out. I shouldn't say you can rule out the Marlins, but there are definitely teams set up better, uh, just better better odds to make a run. And like you said, it doesn't even have to be winning nine out of ten. I mean, you, you, if you go on a, sh- a little short run, it's really all you need uh, to put you over. Going the difference from you know being a few games under five hundred, not making the playoffs, to being a, a wild card or even being second in the NL Central.
0: Yeah. Also, can we not ignore the fact that the Marlins are two and nine at home this year?
1: Yeah, two and nine. Well, I mean, they they should be they should be doing well if anything because they're used to not playing with any fans. You would think, but yeah, haven't heard that no, one before. No, haven't <laughs> I had to had to pounce on that opportunity there when you set me up with yeah. two for nine. You lobbed one there for for me. Yeah, but anyways, I did. And yeah. and just to be clear, uh, this is re- recording of, of as of Saturday before Saturday's game. Uh, Dave and I are recording this, so some of the standings that he's referencing uh, coming from Saturdays. So Brewers finishing up the series against the Tigers on Wednesday, off day, on Thursday, and then starting a series uh, versus uh, the Cleveland Indians, who have, have had a good year so far in a uh, matchup of Corbin Burns and Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Burns, another very strong start going six innings, giving up three hits uh, and no runs, and the Brewers winning this one seven to one. So another good Showing from the Brewers' offense, Corbin Burns looking very good as well. Seven strikeouts, um, and Burns handing it off to Suter. Uh, I love that Burns-Suter combination. Uh, that would be a nightmare as a hitter. Uh, even Burns-Suter-Claudio, so I guess they <laughs> they really uh, emphasize that in this game. Uh, but Brewers winning this one 7-1 in the series opener against the Indians.
0: Yeah, Burns looked terrific, really throughout the game he got into a little bit of trouble and i think it was the fourth inning he had bases loaded nobody out first guy strike out the first guy once the bases were loaded and the next hitter um i i'm forgetting who it was now but hits a ground ball uh i think it was to shortstop throws it to nottingham gets the force out at home nottingham throws to first for the double play and it hits the runner and the runner was out of the running lane But Jerry Meals, the home plate umpire, said no, he wasn't out of the running lane. Even though it is pretty clear that he was out of the running lane, it prevented um, Jerko from catching the ball. That would have ended the inning. Run ends up scoring as a result. And so that was, it was officially recorded as a throwing error on Nottingham, but really they shouldn't have even scored a single run. Jerry Meals had a really bad game behind the plate. Bill Schroeder was really upset with him throughout the game. But even besides that, there were numerous calls that he missed from like balls and strikes. I mean, Suter threw a cutter that missed probably by one or two full baseballs up out of the strike zone and he called it a strike and then Nottingham, there was a ball that was clearly in the strike zone took on a one-two count and they called it a ball and then he got rung up on a questionable pitch um Andy Haynes got ejected the hitting coach and they ironically started hitting right after he got ejected but it was it was a little bit of a rough game for Jerry Meals there but Burns turned in an excellent start
1: yeah Andy Haynes being thrown out uh, could even be a spark plug moment type of thing uh where Haynes trying to to get the Brewers offense going whatever he can and like you said Brewers putting up a four spot in the seventh and following that up with another two runs in the eighth, uh, being the difference in a 7-1 victory against the Indians.
0: Mm -hmm. Also one thing to note, Corbin Burns only threw two four-seam fastballs the whole game. He really struggled last year with throwing the four-seam fastball. Uh, He got really pounded on that pitch last year, and he did a little bit early in this year. But he threw a lot of sliders and breaking balls, two-seam fastballs, and he was really successful doing that. I thought he commanded the ball pretty well throughout the game. His ERA is down to 2.35. So Corbin Burns, he's really been very good this year, whether it's been as kind of that piggyback guy or in a more of a traditional starter's role.
1: Yeah, quietly quietly putting it together, a very, very solid year. Uh, Smoke, you, I was talking earlier about how you were really bullish on, on Smoke this year, uh, but you were also really big on Burns and Smoke not turning out so well. But Burns, so far... Um, could say has been the best brewer starter Woodruff uh, scuffling a little bit lately Mm -hmm. Uh, but but Burns a very good year couldn't have been couldn't have asked for too much more from Burns at least thus far in the season and we'll see if he'll be able to continue to string that on as the season progresses
0: Yeah, it's interesting also looking back last year, the Brewers had those three young arms that they all put in the rotation, Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns, and it was kind of one of those things where how are they going to turn out? You don't really know for sure, especially being young pitchers, and you kind of thought if two out of the three of them end up becoming successful major league pitchers in the long run, that's successful. And then what happens? So Woodruff last year ends up being an all-star, really looks like a budding ace in the making here for the Brewers Corbin Burns has been maybe their best starting pitcher in a small sample size this year even though he did have that horrible 2019 season he's a guy that definitely looks to be part of the future and a guy probably a rotation mainstay going forward and Freddie Peralta maybe not a starting pitcher but a lockdown reliever we've seen a lot of flashes of that still trying to get that consistency but he's been dominant especially at certain times and overall I would say he's been dominant throughout the year Yeah, and so even if you may look at the the farm system and think that it's a little bit bare in terms of the talent there, they have guys that are very young that maybe they just recently graduated from prospect status, and they're able to kind of produce, and they're young, they're controllable. Guys like Luis Urias, even, who were acquired just after graduating from prospect status. Right,
1: and you mentioned those three arms, too. Brewers have notoriously struggled to develop starting pitchers, uh, more pitchers for that matter. Uh, And if they are able to land uh, with all three of those being formidable pitchers, and so far all three look to be formidable, if not better, uh, potential all-stars down the road or Woodruff already being one. uh, Three for three, like you said, Brewers fans have to be happy with that, uh, given our track record. uh, Jed Bradley, Taylor Youngman, uh, what's his name? Eric.
0: Stop bringing up the pain. Eric
1: uh, Arnett. Arnett. Yeah. So... So we, we've struck out a lot on those types of guys. Uh, so good to see what, what looks to be three budding arms for the Brewers. So, mm-hmm. again, um, anything else to add, David, before you head out?
0: Yeah, just going over some of the transactions that we might have missed. Vogelbach, of course, being acquired. Smoke being designated for assignment. Jed Jerko went on the bereavement list, came off of it yesterday or a couple days ago. Phil Bickford uh, had his contract selected, like we mentioned before. He was optioned a little bit a couple days later, as was Justin Topa, who had just been called up. Tyrone Taylor was recalled, so he's been playing a little bit in center field. Uh, Playing center field and getting some extra defensive work has taken a toll on Abisail Garcia's offense a little bit, so the Brewers might mix in Tyrone Taylor there some because he's a much better defender. And then Trey Schubach, he had been called up. They optioned him without him actually debuting. And then Bowden Francis and Gabe Holt are two guys that they added to their player pool. You know, more minor moves. Bowden Francis is a a starter, right-handed pitcher, who was up to double A last year. Pitched pretty well, reasonably well there. And Gabe Holt is a, a second baseman who was a draft pick in 2019. I think it was out of Texas Tech. And he hasn't played above rookie ball, so he's just there for developmental purposes.
1: So that rounds out the transactions for the week for the Brewers. And we are recording this remotely david over in minnesota uh and me over in near milwaukee and so just wanted to give a heads up that david won't be able to be here to cover saturday and sunday's game but i will be right back literally in seconds to cover saturday's and sunday's game so david will be signing off uh, but like i said i'll be here to cover saturday's and sunday's game starting now so on saturday the brewers fell to the indians 4-3 to Pitching matchup for this game, Brandon Woodruff versus Aaron Savale. Woodruff going four and a third and again struggling in the fifth, which seems to be a recurring theme over the last couple of starts for Woodruff. This has been a little bit concerning uh, given Woodruff's success early in the year. I hoped for him to be able to turn that around soon. Uh, Freddy Peralta coming in in relief for Woodruff in the fifth, like I mentioned. Um, Able to get out of the jam without giving up any earned runs uh, to his record. Did pitch one and two-thirds and give up three walks. But again, uh, no runs allowed by Peralta on his record. Devin Williams then coming in, looking good again, going two innings, striking out four and not giving up any runs and handing the ball over to Josh Hader for the ninth. Uh, And ultimately, Hader was unable to keep the Brewers in the game. Uh, Came in a tied game in the ninth. And gave up a leadoff double, which was actually the first hit that Hater had allowed all year. Um, marking uh, Hater, excuse me, Hayter uh, set the record for the uh, longest hitless streak to start a season. Still a very impressive start for Hayter. Um, obviously, we've had, seen some issues with his command this year, but nonetheless, a very impressive record. So again, giving up a leadoff double <clears throat> to Oscar Mercado, uh, following that up with a wild pitch. And then Cesar Hernandez singling on a ground ball into left field to win the game for the Indians. So Josh Hader coming in a tied game, uh, 3-3 in the ninth, giving up two hits, actually, and one run. Uh, all that the Indians need to take that one, 4-3. Uh, Keston Hira did hit a home run. He has been heating up. He's now, as, as of the end of the week, the Brewers position player leader in F-war which unfortunately says something a little bit about the production they've had from their position players, given Hira's uh, very poor start. But nonetheless, still good to see Hira starting to pick it up offensively. Orlando Arcia also hit his third home run of the year. And newcomer Daniel Vogelbach uh, also had an RBI double as well. But ultimately, again, Saturday, Brewers falling 4-3 to to the Indians. In the final game of the series, uh, Brewers falling again, this one 4-1. to Uh, facing one of the the league's best, Shane Bieber, uh, and Brett Anderson going against Bieber in this one. Bieber actually only went five innings, uh, giving up one run. On the other hand, Anderson going five innings and giving up four runs. uh, Clearly, all the runs there scored from the starting pitching. Both bullpens able to come in uh, and and throw scoreless outings. Brewers going with Yardley, Lindblom, Rasmussen, and Claudio uh, to get the outs there after Anderson. And the Brewers' offense just flat. Uh, unfortunate they weren't able to score some runs off of the Indians' bullpen, especially given Bieber's short start only going five innings. Uh, Bieber improves to 7-0 and now on the year, uh, which, say what you want about the win statistic, still impressive for Bieber to be sitting at 7-0 and at this point uh, in the season. Brad Hand also getting the save, his 11th already as well. Uh, two strong stats there from Bieber and Hand. Uh, but... Like I mentioned, Brewers only able to scrap one one run across the board in the fifth. Uh, that was on a Jacob Nottingham single. Uh, Luis Urias scored on that, and uh, yeah, Brewers falling four to one. Another loss for the Brewers. Uh, seeing them continue to, to falter as the season progresses, and uh, they they're now now in the NL Central. Still remain behind the Cubs and the Cardinals for third place, sitting at now 18 and 21, and four games behind the Chicago Cubs for first place in the NL Central. Again, we've talked about this really the whole season about the extended playoff uh, this year and how really you're, you're, you can play mediocre baseball, still be in uh, the contention. And the Brewers are still in contention, three games below 500, uh, but still waiting for that offense to get going something that's going to be necessary for them to have some any success be it in the regular season or in the playoffs Uh, even if they were able to scratch their way into the playoffs uh, not going to be able to do much with the offense that they've had Uh, their offense hitting a measly 219 now through the end of the week Uh, just concerning to see the the Brewers offense continue to scuffle so again uh, not not the greatest week for the Brewers again continuing to play mediocre baseball now sitting at 18 and 21 behind the Cubs and Cardinals in the NL Central. And I uh, do want to highlight a couple of things on our on our Twitter account at Brewers podcast uh, if you don't already follow us there. just a, a couple things that uh, we've recently seen and uh, put out there and thought it would be noteworthy to to bring up here on the podcast. just want to continue to highlight Devin Williams uh, dazzling 2020 so far. Williams looking like a potential NL Rookie of the Year candidate in this shortened season. Williams uh, going 17 innings so far through the year with 18.53 strikeouts per nine and a 0.53 ERA, um, as well as a 0.9 F4. Uh, some other NL rookies to note, Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers, another uh, outstanding pitcher so far through 2020, uh, throwing a few more innings than Williams, 23.2 innings pitched. Uh, much less uh, strikeouts per nine at 9.51, a 0.76 ERA, and also a 0.9 F4. And then finally, Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres um, hitting 330 uh, with 1.3 F4. So there's three notable rookies uh, from the National League, potential NL Rookie of the Year candidates, but Devin Williams has been outstanding. He does deserve to be in that conversation. I'm not certain, I'm not saying that, he should be the rookie of the year, he or that he will be, but he should definitely be in the conversation. He has been outstanding and has been the Brewers' best reliever, the guy that they can turn to to get him the ball to get the ball to Hader, uh, either in the seventh or eighth or seventh and or eighth. Even we've seen, um, and and really the bullpen has been very good for the Brewers. Hader, of course, being hitless uh, up until Saturday's game against Cleveland. He's thrown 11 and two-thirds innings with a 2.31 ERA, has had the issues with the walks, but still 13.89 strikeouts per nine, as well as nine saves. Freddie Peralta has also been good in the bullpen um, with a 3.06 ERA on the year. Brent Suter as well, uh, not pitching as well necessarily as he did in 2019 out of the bullpen, but that can be expected. Uh, He really was outstanding and set the bar high for himself out of the pen last year in 2019. But he's thrown 16 and two-thirds innings with a 3.24 ERA thus far. And finally, Eric Yardley, uh, David's personal favorite out of the pen, the uh, unorthodox right-hander. 15 innings pitched and uh, 1.8 ERA. So Brewer's bullpen has been uh, the highlight of 2020 thus far. Uh, starting pitching has been decent, has kept them in games as well. Uh, and we don't need to stress anymore about the offense and, and what we have not seen and what we will need to see for this team to succeed. But again, just a couple things to point out. Uh, just some interesting statistics uh, keep you up to date on the Brewers. Recommend checking out our Twitter page. Again, that's at Brewers Podcast. Uh, lots of those uh, kind of interesting uh, snippets that you may not be aware of as well as some other Brewers news and lineups and stuff like that. So at Brewers Podcast for Twitter. Of course, we're all on uh, Instagram as well. And that's really all we have for today's episode. So thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Appreciate you for listening and go Brewers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.